Welcome to Cross Defense. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. And your host every Monday afternoon on Cross Defense, this place for curious Christian theological conversation. We... Uh, we search the scriptures and uh, and the news. We we delve into the things that that you're thinking about, that I'm thinking about, that our guests are thinking about, and we and we want to discover. This is the idea here. This is what we're doing. We want to discover the joy of theology. There is a great temptation. We we should know this. I mean, we we should just see this for what it is. Very clearly, there's a great temptation that the devil would tempt us with boredom. He tempts us to be bored with the Bible. He tempts us to be bored with the Scriptures. He, he tempts the Lutherans to be bored with the Catechism, the pastors to be bored with the Lutheran Confessions. He tempts us to be bored with theology and look for our excitement everywhere else. While, while we have right in front of us the most exciting thing of all, the, the news, the good news, that, that God has become a man and borne our sins so that he can carry us to eternal life with him in the resurrection that, and the life that knows no end. I mean, there's, not, there's, just, there's absolutely nothing in the, war, in the universe that's better than that. It, just can't, it can't get better. The good news is the best news. And that's what we talk about here on Cross Defense uh, every Monday afternoon. And really, that's what the whole purpose of KFUO Radio is, talk about this good news that we have in Christ Jesus. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. And amongst the other things that I do, one of the projects that I've been working on lately, that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. Uh, one of the projects that I have is to take some of the um, more famous works from the reformer, Dr. Martin Luther, and to make them available uh, to the church. One of the things that, uh, that we have is these huge collections of Luther's works. You know, the American edition of Luther's works is 55 volumes, and it's being added to now gloriously by Concordia Publishing House. They're doing great work adding to that. But one of the problems is no, most people are not going to go out and buy a 55-volume set and spend like 3000 bucks on a set of Luther's works. And what that means is that for most people... The, the the only Luther, uh, Martin Luther, that they read, maybe the small catechism uh, and some other things. And I, this is, to me, a tragedy because there's nothing there's nothing better to read than Luther. I mean, he's number one, he's right about the scriptures. He's so grounded biblically. But second, he's just good. He's a, he's a, a fantastically entertaining writer. And so one of the projects that I've uh, been engaged in is taking some of the old Luther stuff and and re republishing it so that it's available for a free to to download for free if you like to download stuff and read it on your tablet or even your phone or whatever uh, or you can go and print it as well and most of these guys are 5 bucks we've got the large catechism which is where I would start if someone said to me hey where should I start reading Luther uh, then uh, I, I would say, hey, uh, you got to start at the large catechism. It's just the best. We got small called. We got on the councils in the Turk. We got Luther's on the war against the Turk, and we've got Luther's whether soldiers can be saved. That's great. And just today, we just have finished uh, Luther's work on the council and the church, and and it's a f fantastic work. It's late Luther, and he's getting ready. They were trying to have a council, the whole big historical thing. But in the end of that, in the end of that work, Luther is asking a question that I want us to explore today. I want us to think about this. And the question is, where do you find the church? Where do you find God working on on earth? Where where do you find the spirit of God moving? I remember I, I remember back in the old days, this is a, a fantastic question for all of us to ask. I remember back in the old days that I I would just assume that where things were exciting then that must be where the Spirit of God is. So if you go to church and you get excited about the things that are going on there, then it must be that the Holy Spirit is working. Because after all, isn't that how the Holy Spirit works? Through excitement. So, so you'd go. In, in fact, we'd go to the service and uh, and we'd get you, you know you'd have the band there and they were getting you they were kind of getting you worked up into this froth. And you could you'd get the goosebumps and we had that we'd call it the Holy Spirit goosebumps. Do you you get goosebumps and you think, well, the Holy Spirit must be must be here and must be working because because I have these I feel the Holy Spirit in uh, in my heart. In fact, I remember the uh, the opposite story of that. I remember the first time I went to the Lutheran Church, back to the Lutheran Church as an adult, and we went to the liturgy. And I remember leaving there, and I and I said to Carrie, my wife now, she was my fiance then. I said, well, honey, I just didn't I didn't feel the Holy Spirit there. 
So I was, did you, did you see that? I was trying to use, I was trying to use my feelings to figure out where the Holy Spirit is, to figure out where God was moving. And you see these big churches, and you say, oh, God must be moving there. And you see these tiny little churches, and you say, well, God must not not be moving over there. Now, is that accurate? Is that how we know where God is working and where the Holy Spirit is? Is that is that how we know where the church is? So Luther takes up this question. It's at the end of his work on the councils and the churches. In fact, this little volume that I've got is 266 pages, and he takes up this question on page 220. My recommendation, by the way, is if you go and you print this thing out or you pick it up, you start in section 3, where Luther's talking about this, and he says there's going to be three ways, three marks, three signs or three indications that indicate to us where the church is, where the church is located. Did I say three? Who's listening? There's going to be seven marks, seven places, seven ways that tell us where the church is. Now, what's interesting about this piece, just as a slight historical introduction, and then we're going to get right into the into the seven things where Luther says, if you find these things, there you find the church. The, the interesting historical thing is that the Lutherans traditionally had two or three marks of the church. In fact, famously, the Augsburg Confession says that there are two churches, the gospel rightly preached and the sacraments rightly administered. And other times you find these Lutheran writings where they'll say that there's three. There's the gospel and there's the... Um, there's the gospel, and there's baptism, and there's the Lord's Supper. But Luther, it, it, so we say, hey, is Luther contradicting all this other Lutheran stuff when he says that there's, in fact, seven marks of the church? And I, the answer is no. He's, in fact, just unfolding these two or these three marks of the church. So here they are, starting with number one, the seven marks or the seven ways that you find the church. Number one, the Christian holy people is to be known by this, that it has God's word. So the first way, the first way that you know where the church is and where to find the church is where you find God's word. If God's word is there, then God's spirit is there because the word of God is the sword of the spirit. When Jesus sent out his apostles to preach, he sent them out to preach his word. And so where the word is, there God is. It's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe, according to Romans chapter 1. So, so, so I remember, you, you, I just was telling you that story. We went to the Lutheran liturgy, and I said, I didn't feel the Holy Spirit there. But the question is, okay, so I didn't feel the Holy Spirit, but was the Holy Spirit there? How do I know where the Holy Spirit is? Well, if God's Word is preached and taught, then the Holy Spirit is there busy and, and working, busy and active. So the first thing you look for is God's word. Now this might be some of you might be listening out there and you're and you're looking for a church, you don't have a church where you go. This is the devil loves to separate the Christians from the church and 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 have you wandering around kind of out there in the wilderness without a church. And so she so say, "What do I look for in the church?" And we're tempted to look for all these things, you know, like a big and active youth group or like a a a great a great music program or a, a a kind pastor or whatever. But the, the no, th- this is not what we're to look for when we're looking for a church. The thing that we are to look look for is the presence of God's word taught in its fullness and its truth. This is the most precious thing. This is the main point, Luther says. It's the high, chief, holy possession from which the Christian people take the name holy. For God's word is holy and sanctifies or makes holy everything it touches. Yea, it's the very holiness of God. Romans 1.16 says it's God's power which saves all who believe. And 2 Timothy 4.3 says it is all made holy by the word of God and prayer. For the Holy Spirit himself administers the word and anoints and sanctifies the church, that is, the Christian holy people, with it and makes them holy. It's absolutely stunning and absolutely primary, absolutely fundamental, that God's word is the holy thing and that that God's word makes everything that it touches holy. If you want to have a holy people, then they have to be a people of the word. If you want to have a holy day, it's a day set apart for the hearing of the word. If you want to have a holy mind, it's a mind that's filled with God's word. If you want to have a holy place, it's a place set apart for the hearing, for the preaching and the hearing of God's word. That's what makes us holy. If you want to be a holy people, the holy Christian church, then we have to have the Holy Spirit working in the Holy Scriptures.
And and it's not just the scriptures. It's not like having a, a copy of the Bible on the shelf makes the thing holy, but it's that word preached, and that's it's that word confessed. Here's how Luther continues. We speak, however, of the external word orally preached by men like you and me. For Christ left this behind him as an outward sign whereby his church, his Christian holy people in the world, was to be recognized. We speak, too, of this oral word as it's earnestly believed and publicly confessed before the world. As he says, he who confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father and his, and his holy angels. For there are many who know the word secretly, but will not confess it. Many have it and don't believe it or act by it. So it's not just a matter of having God's word. It's a matter of preaching God's word. It's a matter of believing God's word. It's a matter of publicly confessing God's word. That is the chief mark of the church. If you, if, so if you want to be holy, this is, is an amazing sort of thing when we think about holiness. I don't, I don't know how you, I mean, how you react to that word holy or how you think about the word holy. I think we're, we have this tendency to think of holy in moral terms. Now, we don't want to disconnect it from morality, but we think, oh, that person is holier than thou. That's how we say it. That person uh, thinks that they're so full of good works that they've, that they've set themselves apart from the immoral mass of humanity. Now, that's not how the Bible talks about holiness. The Bible talks about a holy place, a city, a holy room. It talks about holy forks and holy spoons. Now, how could a spoon be morally supported? Superior to another spoon or a mountain be morally superior to another mountain. The holiness in the Bible's idea means to be set apart for the word of God and set apart by that word. So you want to know where the church is? Mark 1 is the word. But that's just the first of seven. The second, and here we're going to push a little ahead in Luther. We're going to keep an eye on the time here. You know, this show is only an hour every week. We run out of time. It seems like every week, just when we get up to speed, you know, you go to the gym, you get warmed up, you get a nice sweat going, and you're ready to go, and then the time's over. That's how this show is every week, so we gotta, we got to keep the pace moving here. Second, the second mark of the church, according to Luther in his On the Councils and the Church, is baptism. Here's how, here's how Luther says it. Second, God's people, or the Christian holy people, is known by the holy sacrament of baptism— when it's rightly taught and believed and used according to Christ's ordinances. That, too, is a public sign and, and precious holy possession, whereby God's people... Now, did you hear... By the way, did you hear that, how what Luther said? That, that baptism is a precious holy possession. He's talking about the seven, really, not only the seven marks of the church, but the seven holy possessions of the church. <laughs> this is... Do you, do you remember the, the Reformation history? One of the things that developed in the Middle Ages was this idea of the relic or of the holy thing. In fact, if we remember our Reformation history, we'll remember that the, the, the second largest relic collection in all of the world was in Wittenberg. That the, uh, that the elector had this huge collection of relics, and, and, and the people would travel from all over. What, the biggest was in Rome, in the Vatican, and the second biggest was in Wittenberg. And they, and they had this catalog of all of the things that they had there. They had, they had straw from the manger. <laughs> they, had, they had milk from the Virgin Mary. It's kind of embarrassing. They had all these relics that were there, and you could go and you could see them. And, and going to see the relics would make you holy. It would sanctify you. But listen to what Luther says, and I'm, I'm going to turn the page backwards. I know we're not getting anywhere, but he says this. He says, but this relic of God's word is the true relic, the true anointing, which anoints to everlasting life. Even if you don't have the Pope's tiara or a bishop's mitre, even if you have to live and die bare and naked, yet you are uh, you are eternally adorned and, and made fit for eternal life. So that, so, that, uh, so that what are the prized possessions of the church? You know, uh, we, we were over in Germany and we were visiting some of these old cathedrals and it's an amazing sort of thing because they have the reliquy. You can go in the back room and there, I remember you have a femur bone with a ribbon wrapped around it. It's the bones of one of the saints or here's the blood in the glass of one of the saints. But are these the holy possessions? Are these the treasured possessions which we have in the church? Luther says, no, no, those are not the things that we, that we treasure. We have these seven great uh, wonderful holy possessions. And the first one is God's word, and the second one is baptism. <laughs> this holy, precious gift. 
Baptism is a public sign, precious, holy possession, Luther says, whereby God's people is made holy. For it's a holy bath of regeneration through the Holy Ghost in which we bathe and are washed by the Holy Ghost from sin and death as the innocent, holy blood of the Lamb of God. Where you see this mark, know that the holy Christian people must be there, even though the Pope does not baptize you or you know nothing about his holiness and power. <laughs> so that baptism is this holy, precious possession which makes us holy. It's really, it's really quite wonderful to see this, this, thing, um, this argument that Luther's making start to unfold, that, that we're able to recognize the holy people by the holy things which make us holy. So we have God's Word. And we have baptism. You're listening, by the way, to Cross Defense, and I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. I'm working through the seven ways that you find the church from this great little essay from Martin Luther on the councils and the churches. You can find this essay, and you can download it for free uh, at wolfmuller.co. Give me about an hour, and I'll post up the link to it. I still, uh, I still have to post the link up there. But you can go and visit that, and you can find this, download it for free, or you can order it to, as well. Luther on the councils and the churches. we got seven more to go. Stay tuned. We're going to the break, and we'll be right back. This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for me. Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. I'm Gary Duncan, the General Manager of Worldwide KFUO. We promote our various programs. We ask you to listen to your favorite show. We ask you to support our broadcast ministry, and we thank you for that support. But maybe we don't ask you to pray for us as much as we should. Please pray for the staff, management, radio hosts, and volunteers here at Worldwide KFUO. Pray that the message of salvation through Christ is heard clearly by listeners around the world. Pray that we continue to reach into those areas that are hostile to the Word of God. Pray that KFUO continues to reach those people desperately needing to hear the good news message. And pray that God continues to bless us financially through the gifts we need to continue our broadcast ministry. Thank you for listening, supporting, and praying for Worldwide KFUO. You truly are appreciated. We are the messenger of good news. AM850 in St. Louis, worldwide at KFUO.org. stuff until that music comes on tells me i'm supposed to be talking to you guys pastor brian wolfmuller you're listening to cross defense curious christian conversation for your for your afternoon here on kfuo we're talking about how do you find that how do you know where the church is it's, a, it's such an, an important it's such an important question i mean we, we maybe should start by the with the fact that hey we should be in church jesus intends for us to be in church there's so many there's so many christians out there that that are are lonely and far from the church you i, I don't know how i must meet I, I must meet people every day uh multiple people every day that say hey i'm a christian but they don't have a church where they go so this this maybe even needs to come before the stuff that we're looking for it, we're asking we're answering the question how do you find the church but but perhaps we should answer the question should i find the church i mean what what does the church have to do with me and the answer to that is that jesus wants you to be in church he says hebrews says that don't neglect the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing uh, but but encourage one another towards love and good works, and even more so as you see the day approaching. 
so that our gathering together as Christians, our gathering together in the Lord's name to be able to encourage one another is more and more important as the days get shorter, as we get closer and closer to the end of all things, which we are. Every, every single day we're a little bit closer to the end of the world a little bit closer to the second coming, a little bit closer to our own death, a little bit closer to the resurrection and the new heaven and the new earth. And we need each other more and more. It's not enough, by the way, to just get your theology and get your doctrine from the podcast and from the radio. you got to be in church. Every Christian needs a church. Every Christian needs a pastor. And if the, if the devil can separate us from, from the word of God being, being preached, then, uh, then he's got us on our own and we're really vulnerable. It's how, it's how the devil prowls around, seeking for whom he can devour. You know, you see all these National Geographic <laughs> National Geographic shows. I wish these YouTubes. It's like, it's like a boa constrictor eating an alligator, being attacked by a leopard. And I'm like, who in the world goes and films something like that? How could you? I hope you have a very big telephoto lens to get that footage because, man, I, I, I – anyway – it's maybe beside the point, but the, when you watch these National Geographic things, the way that the the way that it goes is that the the lion is just going for the weakest, and he's trying to separate from the herd because if the herd is there around the little babies, around the old mom wildebeests or whatever, you're never going to get it. But if you can separate one off from the herd, then you could just you know it's no problem. Then you've got lunch and dinner for the next three days, and this is how the devil is. He wants to he wants to call us off from the herd. <laughs> So that we're out on our own. He wants us to wander away from the flock. Anyway, we should go to church. So then, so if that's the case, if we're looking for the church, then what are we looking for? How do we know where the church is? Is it where the brightest lights are? Is it where the parking lot is the fullest? Is it where the building is the awesomest? Is it is it the guy with the most with the most uh, with the most uh, TV shows? The, the the guy with the biggest stadium? Is that how we know where the Holy Spirit works? Well, Luther's giving us the answer in this great on the councils and the church. 1538 S39 essay that he wrote. He says there's seven ways that you find the church. Number one, where's God's word? Number two, where's baptism? And number three, where's the supper? I'll let you, I'll let Luther preach it to us. He says, third, God's people or a Christian holy church is known by the holy sacrament of the altar when it is rightly administered according to Christ's institution and is believed and received. That too is a public mark and precious holy possession bequeathed by Christ whereby his people is made holy by means of this sacrament it exercises itself in faith and openly confesses that it is a Christian people and it does also by means of the word of God and by baptism here again you need not ask whether the Pope say mass for you or not consecrates you confirms you or anoints you or puts a chasuble on you you can receive the mass with no clothing at all as one may who is sick in bed, except for the outward decency compels the wearing of honorable clothing, etc., etc. Now, this, by the way, you don't need the you don't need the Lord's Supper from the Pope because you need it from Jesus. That's what Luther's saying, and that's particularly helpful in um, in the time when uh, when Luther was uh, was talking and was working because the Pope was making the claim: Hey, if you don't have it from us, you don't have the supper. If you don't have the supper from uh, from the Catholic Church, then you don't have it. I, I by the way, got into trouble apparently, with our Roman Catholic friends a few days ago because I made this post uh, on the YouTubes about what's the difference between the Lutherans and the Catholics on the Lord's Supper. And, man, these Catholics got after me. And one of the things they said is, you don't have the supper. You left the church, you don't have the supper. So we're still fighting against that same argument today that Luther had then. And he says, look, you don't need, if you have the word of God, if you have the promises of Jesus, you have the body and blood. And you have the forgiveness of sins. And that's the third mark of the church. Now, this is important. It's very important that Jesus intends for his church to have his body and his blood. There's so many churches that simply deny the body and the blood. They say that, no, the meal is not a, uh, a meal of the body and blood of Jesus. The meal is not uh, uh, the true presence, but rather the meal is a symbolic meal. Or the meal is you have a you have the spiritual presence of Jesus. But what does Jesus tell us that we should do in remembrance of him? He says we should take and eat his body and take and drink his blood for the forgiveness of sins. I mean Jesus wants us to have the forgiveness of sins in this life of of trouble. 
And so he gives it to us. Now, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but one of the conversations that I seem like I'm constantly in is with people who deny the body and the blood, and they are mad at me for teaching it. And I used to be defensive when I was a baby pastor. I, I used to be defensive about uh, our understanding, the Lutheran understanding of, the, of baptism and the Lord's Supper. In fact, I remember a lot of times people would come and they'd say, uh, maybe they're starting a church here in the neighborhood. The neighborhood that we're in is not the is not the the best neighborhood, and there's not a lot of space around. And so people would have churches, and they'd want to, they'd want space. And so they'd come and they'd say, Hey, hey, Pastor Wolfmuller, could we rent some space from you to have our church? And I said, I said, absolutely not. You can't rent space. You can have it. You can have it for absolutely free. It, this is the this church. This is not our church. It's the Lord Jesus's church. You can come and you can use this space as long as we agree on the teaching. As long as we agree on the doctrine, as long as we're confessing the truth together. So let's get together and see if we believe the same things, if we, if we in fact are of one mind, like St. Paul says we should be. And so we'd get together, and, and you know how these conversations would go. They would have, they'd say, well, you know, we have a little different idea about, about receiving Christ, about free will. We've got a little bit of a, a different idea about worship. We think that, uh, you know, you've got to have an exciting form of worship so that the Holy Spirit can use that to cause people to make a decision for Christ. And, and we've got a different idea about baptism and the Lord's Supper and the works of the Holy Spirit. In fact, a lot of times they would have different ideas about the Holy Trinity. And so, so it turned out that we had a different doctrine, so we couldn't share the church together because we had a different teaching. And, and I used to be defensive about it. I used to say, well, I'm sorry that we have a different doctrine than you, so it's, it's not going gonna, gonna, not gonna to work out. But, one, what, but I, what I realized, I said, what, what am I apologizing for? I mean, why am I, why am I the one saying that I'm sorry that they have a different doctrine? G- uh, I remember very distinctly one conversation that went like this. I, I, I asked this pastor, he wanted to use a space, and I said, hey, I, I got a question for you. If one of my members came to your service on Sunday afternoon, and they were there, and they came and said to you, hey, we, I, uh, am I really baptized? Would you say that they are baptized, or would you say that you have to be baptized again? That it didn't count, because when they were baptized the first time, they were baptized as a baby. And he said, yeah, Brian, I would say that the first baptism didn't count. They've got to re-baptize. And I said to him, well, that's just rude. How can... It's rude of you to say that our, the, the, the baptism that we have isn't baptism. If one of my members came to your church, I asked this guy, and said, hey, my pastor says in the morning that what we eat and what we drink is the body and blood of Jesus, what would you say? You'd say, he said, well, I'd say that you were wrong. <laughs> This is rude. And not only is it rude that you would say such things about baptism, it's offensive to Jesus because Jesus wants his people to have baptism for the forgiveness of sins. That's what he gives to the apostles to give to the church. That's what he tells us in the Bible. Jesus wants his people to have his body and his blood for the forgiveness of sins. That's why he gives it to us and says, here, take and eat. This is my body. This is my blood. Take it. This is the blood of the New Testament, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus wants his church to have these things, and you are taking them away from them by your bad theology. This is theological theft. False doctrine is theological theft, and you're stealing away these things that Jesus wants to have, that Jesus wants his church to have. You're, you're, you're just, you're just stripping them away so that Jesus, it's like, it's like going, if you went to visit Jesus, if we, if you and I just, as a church, we just got together, we went to visit Jesus, Jesus said, hey, here's the things I want you to have. And he gives us his word and he gives us baptism and he gives us a supper and he gives us the absolution and he gives us pastors and he gives us, and he gives us the ability to pray and give thanks to him. And then he gives us the cross and he loads us down with these, and that by the way is the list of seven things that Luther has. He loads us down with these things, and then we go back home, and then here comes a teacher and says, no, 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 you don't really get baptism. You don't really get the supper. You don't really get the absolution. You don't, you don't really get prayer and the liturgy. You don't really get, you shouldn't even have suffering, and by the way, you don't even have God's word. It's stealing. It's theft. It's taking away from God's church the full riches that he wants, and it's maybe replacing it with something. I mean, I'm going to take away God, the Bible, take away God's word, and I'm going to give you a substitute of tradition or experience or whatever. I'm going to take away baptism, and I'm going to give you a symbolic washing. I'm going to, I'm going to take away supper, and I'm going to give you a symbolic meal or a propitiatory sacrifice. Or I'm going to take away the absolution. I'm going to give you the assurance of pardon. I'm going to take away the liturgy. I'm going to give you a rock concert. I'm going to take away the cross and say that your life should be nothing but glory. 
I'm going to steal these things away from you, and I'm, I'm going to give you an, an imposter. I'm going to give you a substitute. And then I'm, and then we, who have these things, are supposed to apologize for it? No, no. The, the word that the Bible tells us to, to when, when Jesus is giving us instruction about these things is that we should guard and we should keep them. Jesus says, beware of false teachers. Paul says, guard the doctrine that's been entrusted to you. Don't let anyone break in and steal it because that's what the, that's what the devil wants to do. He's a thief and a robber. All who do not come in by the gate are thieves and robbers, Jesus says. And the devil wants to come away. And what does he want to steal? He wants to steal those things that matter, those things that give life. So when we talk about the, the places that we find the church, we know that this is precisely where there's going to be the theological battle. Anyway, you guys got me worked up. We're not even halfway through this list because it's so glorious. Because you see these precious things that Jesus wants to give to us, his word and baptism and the Lord's Supper. So many people are busy just saying, no, no, they don't matter. Those things don't matter. We did, why, why, do you guys, why do you Lutherans get so worked up about baptism? Well, the reason we're worked up about baptism is because in baptism, Jesus puts his name on us. He, he circumcises our heart. We're clothed in Christ. We're dead and we're raised. We're given new life. We're saved from, from death and, and hell and from the devil himself. The Lord has all of these wonderful treasures that he gives us through baptism. And you just want to take that away? Oh, you don't, oh, you don't need that. It's like... It's like someone coming up and poking at your eye. You don't need that. Well, I'd rather get rid of my eye than get rid of baptism. It's the most precious thing in the world. I'd rather lose my, I'd rather, rather lose my hand than get rid of the supper. I'd rather my body be destroyed than let the body of Jesus be stolen from his church because that's the thing that matters. It's his crucified body that matters. Anyway. You guys got again here we go point four remember what we're talking about how do we know where the church is we got seven ways and we're talking about luther's on the council and the church this the, the seven ways that we know where the church is and here's the fourth so first word of god second baptism third the lord's supper fourth the people of god or holy christians are known by the keys which they publicly use this is the office of the keys taught in in Matthew 16, taught in Matthew 18, taught in John chapter 20. Remember how Jesus breathes on his disciples and he says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, they are retained. This is the office of the keys, the, the authority to give the absolution or to bind in sin. Luther continues, Christ decrees in Matthew 18, 15, that if a Christian sin, sins, he shall be rebuked. And if he does not amend his ways, he shall be bound and cast out. But if he amends, he shall be set free. This is the power of the keys. Now, the use of the keys is twofold, public and private. There's some whose consciences are so weak and timid that even if they have received no public commendation, they cannot be comforted unless they get a special absolution from the pastor. On the other hand, there's some who are so hard that they will not have their sins individually forgiven and remitted even in their hearts by the pastor. Therefore, the use of the keys must be of both kinds, public and private. Now, wherever you see the sins of some persons forbidden, forgiven or rebuked publicly or privately, know that God's people is there. For if God's people is not there, the keys are not there. And if the keys are not there, God's people are not there. Christ has bequeathed them as a public mark and holy possession, whereby the Holy Ghost, one through Christ's death, imparts holiness anew to fallen sinners, and by them Christians confess that they are a holy people under Christ in this world, and that those who will not be converted and made holy again are to be cast out of the holy people. Now, now, how do you know? This is so fantastic. This is the office of the keys, the forgiving of sins and the retaining of sins. And Luther says that it becomes a mark of the church because really that's what the church is. The church is the, is the, is the holy people of God. And what does it mean to be holy? We talked about this at the beginning. You know, to be holy, to be like so full of good works that you're perfect in every way. To be holy means that you've got such a big bucket of good works that it's overflowing. And now everybody's trying to walk around stepping in your holiness because it's just about no that's not holiness means to be set apart and to be forgiven so to be a holy people means to be a holy to be a forgiven people i believe in the holy spirit the holy christian church the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins how do you become part of the communion of saints you become part of the communion of saints by the forgiveness of sins so I believe in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, and the forgiveness of sin. The, holy, the church, then, is the place where the Lord forgives sins. 
It's another uh, a beautiful piece from Luther where in the uh, large catechism he's talking about what the church is. And he says, in the church we receive nothing. <laughs> Which I think some people stop there and they're like, well, that sounds about right. But, but no, Luther says, in the church we receive nothing but the daily unending forgiveness of all of our sins. Do, do, do you see that? That Jesus has instituted his church to forgive you your sins. Now, now that, that tells us quite a bit. It tells us in the first place that we're sinners that need the forgiveness of sins. And second, it tells us where we go to find it. I think, the, I, I think this clarity is so nice for us to have. Because if we're sitting here, as say we're church workers, we're pastors, or, or we're working in the church, or we're involved in the church, we're elders, or we're on the church council or something like this, and we say, what are we doing here? Why, why does Jesus have a church? Why does Jesus have Hope Lutheran Church on the corner of 13th and Macon in Aurora, Colorado? Which you should come visit, by the way, if you're in town. Why, but why does Jesus have a church here? For, for what purpose? Why does Jesus have your church, wherever you are listening? Why does Jesus have your church there? What's the purpose? What's the end? What's the goal? Why is it established there? Well, this gives us the answer. It's for the forgiveness of sins. So that you can go and have the forgiveness of sins. And so that, so that your neighbor can go and have their sins forgiven as well. This is so. Now, now, this not only is this clarity helpful for for establishing the work that we're to do, but it's also helpful in establishing the work that we're not supposed to do. Can you imagine? Here, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a picture. Can you imagine if there was one well with fresh water in the entire world? So there's one source of fresh water. Everybody needed that water, but there was only one place to get it. And so what happens is that the government establishes a, a, a complex distribution system to get that water to every place. And so in every city, in every little outcrop, in every little place, there's a, there's a water distribution center. Now, and, and, and the people would go to that place and they'd get water. Now, let's just say that you're in charge of one of these water distribution centers, and you say, you know what? We really need to get more people here, so what we're going to do is we're going to give away free pizza. We're going to start a dance club. We're going to do all this other stuff, and that way we'll get the people. No, you would miss the point because people are coming there. The reason why the place is established is so that people can come and get water. Well, this is how it is with the Church of Jesus. He's, he's established his church so that his people can come and get the forgiveness of sins. That's why the church exists. And that's why this is number four, part, part number four about the church, where the office of the keys is exercised, where the forgiveness of sins is, there is the church. You're listening to Cross Defense. We're trying to answer the question, where do you find the church? Stephanie's sending me a note. says we got one minute left, which I don't believe her, but, but we're going to go to the break here and we'll come back on the other side, and we'll try to get to the last three. I can't believe how fast the clock goes. Again, this is Pastor Brian Wolf. You're listening to Cross Defense. Listen quick to these commercials and come back quick here, and we'll talk about the last three marks of the church. Talk to you soon. We're talking about where to find the church, and we've talked about the four. I th- four? I think we listed four things already. We got seven, which means you got a guy's got to listen fast because uh, we got to cover these last three before the hour's over, unless they just can figure out how to do a longer show. Can you, if you guys start working on that, see what comes next. Anyway, uh, uh, the first we had was the Word of God. The second was baptism. The third was the Lord's Supper. The fourth was the Office of the Keys. And now we get to the fifth. Now I'm reading from Martin Luther on the councils uh, and the churches. If you want to download this guy for free, wolfmuller.co, and uh, in about ten minutes I'll have a post, and you can I'll link to that up there. So you can go and just wait, refresh when the show's over, and I'll get it up there. But here's point number five. The church is known outwardly by the fact that it consecrates or calls ministers or has offices which they occupy. 
For we must have bishops, pastors, and preachers to give, administer, and use publicly and privately the four things or the precious possessions that have been mentioned for the sake of and in the name of the church, or rather, because of the institution of Christ. As Paul says in Ephesians 4, that, uh, he gave some to be apostles. He ascended into uh, he ascended on high. He gave gifts among men. He gave some to be apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, teachers, governors, sets, pastors, etc. So Mark number 5 is, is, is that the Lord just didn't give the Bible so that it would sit on the shelf, but so it would be preached. He didn't give baptism so that water would just sit there in the bowls, but that, so that people would be baptized in the name of Jesus. He gave the Lord's Supper so that it would be distributed. He gave the absolution so that it would be given out. And so you have to put people into the office of giving these things out. That's point number 5. So the church always has the office, the, always has the office of the ministry, it always has pastors put in place by Jesus, called immediately through the church, so that all these things can happen. Got it? That's point five. Point six. The holy Christian people is known by prayer and public thanksgiving and praise to God. For where you see and hear the Lord's prayer is praised and used and it's taught and where the psalms and spiritual songs are sung in accordance with the word of God and the right faith, when the creed, the Ten Commandments, and the Catechism are openly used, there be sure that a holy Christian people is. For prayer, too, is one of the precious holy possessions whereby everything is made holy, as St. Paul says. Now, where does St. Paul say everything is made holy by prayer? It's the verse that we had at the very beginning, Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, where he says everything is sanctified or made holy by the word of God and prayer. So that prayer is also one of the holy possessions of the church, that the Lord's people pray, and not just privately and inwardly, but that the Lord's people pray together and they pray outwardly. Acts chapter 2 tells us that the four things that the apostles were devoted to, they met together every day, and they were devoted to, to, the, te- to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So the Holy Liturgy, the prayers of the church, are one of the marks. That's where you know where the Lord's people are, because there they are praying. And then here's number seven. Now this is an, an astonishing thing to think about. The seventh mark of the church. And, and I, I want you, if you're, if you're listening, driving along, playing along at home, I, wanna, I want you to think, now what possibly could be left in this list? It seems like a really quite extensive list. We're, we're supposed to look for the church, not where, you know, the biggest fancy building is or wherever, where, where, where all this kind of spiritual activity is. That's not how it is. In fact, Luther doesn't even say anything about good works so far. He didn't mention that, even though that's the fruit of faith, and, and they will know that we are Christians by our love. Uh, he, he listed the Word of God, baptism, the Lord's Supper, the Office of the Keys, the Office of the Ministry, and the Liturgy, the prayers. What's, what, what possibly could be left? Now, this is the last one, and this is the surprise. I'm always astonished by this every time I, every time I take this up and look at it, but it's, and it's good for us. Seventh, the Holy Christian Church is outwardly known by the holy possession of the Holy Cross. <laughs> How do you know where the church is? Because there is where people are suffering in the name of Jesus. The cross here doesn't mean like a cross on the side of the building. The cross means the suffering and persecution and trouble that the devil and the world and the flesh bring on the Christian. Luther says, it, the church, must endure all hardship and persecution, all kinds of temptation and evil, as the Lord's Prayer says, from the devil, the world, and the flesh. It must be inwardly sad, timid, terrified, outwardly poor, despised, sick, weak. Thus it, the church, becomes like its head Christ. Oh, that's astonishing. So, so, how, how, so how can you find the church? You, you find people suffering in the name of Jesus. You, you find people persecuted, driven, ragged, despised by the world. So that's how you find the, the church. There, there is so much of the church today that wants to say that the Christian life is one of overcoming victory. That to be a Christian means that you have your best life now. Now, and there, and there, it will, let's admit at least this, that there, the Lord does promise some benefit, outward benefit, to the keeping of com- His commandments. So, so things are going to go better for you when you keep God's commandment, when you tell the truth, when you're faithful, when you're peaceful, when you're generous, and so forth. 
But just as well as things are going to go better for you in this way, the devil is going to come and he's going to come and attack you. The devil is after you. Which means that to be a Christian means to it, to be baptized is, is like having a, a, a bullseye marked on your chest for the devil to have something to shoot at. The devil hates the church because the devil hates Jesus. And to be a Christian means to be set against the world and your flesh and the devil as your enemies. And so you are going to have trouble. It, Jesus gives us the promise. In this world, you will have trouble. That's, that's his promise to us. It's, a, it's not going to be... It's a, I, I heard someone say this once. I just, this kind of preaching drives me crazy. They said, hey, look, you, being a Christian, having Jesus in your heart is going to make your life better. And so what you should do is you should try. Try. Give Jesus a try. Like Jesus is like a new car, and you've got to go on a test drive. See if you like him. Christianity is like a... You know, Christianity is like one of these mattresses that you can buy, and you have a 100-day free return policy or something like that, and you'll get the best night's sleep of your life if you become a Christian. This, these are not the promises of God. The promise of God is this. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say, take up your lazy boy and follow me. And by the way, that when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, that's the first mention of cross in the New Testament, in the Bible. It's not the cross of Jesus, it's the cross of the Christian. So that we suffer, we become, we become inwardly sad, timid, terrified, outwardly poor, despised, sick, weak, and in this way we become like our head, Jesus Christ. It's not, it, doesn't, it does not go better for us than it went for Jesus. Luther continues, the church must be righteous, quiet, obedient, ready to serve their rulers and everyone else who's, who's with body and wealth, doing no one any harm. People on earth must endure such bitter hatred. They must be worse than everyone else in the world. They must be called heretics, knaves, devils, accursed, the worst people in the world, to the point where they are, quote, doing God's service, who hang them, drown them, slay them, torture them, hunt them down, plague them to death, and where no one has pity on them, but gives them myrrh and gall to drink when they thirst, not because they're adulterers, murderers, thieves, or scoundrels, but because they will have Christ alone and no other God. Jesus says, the days are coming when those who kill you will think that they do God a service. Now, think about that. That it will be the best good work in all the world is to kill a Christian. When you hear this stuff, know that the holy Christian church is there. As Jesus himself says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, Blessed are you when men curse you and reject your name as an evil, wicked thing for my sake. Be glad and rejoice, for your reward is in heaven. And your reward in heaven is great. <laughs> now, Luther's going to make a, a, quite a stunning point here. Because he's going to say that not only does the Holy Cross make us holy, but that the Holy Cross also makes us blessed. That's what Jesus says. Blessed are you when men curse you and reject your name as, as, as an evil, wicked thing. Jesus says that you're blessed when you're persecuted for my name's sake. So that Luther continues, with this holy possession of the cross, the Holy Ghost makes his people not only holy, but also blessed. But also blessed. We, I'm afraid, dear saints, we look at our sufferings uh, as proof that God hates us, that God despises us, that God has forgotten us, that God has cast us off. But that's not the case. The, when the Lord gives us the cross, he's given us this most holy thing that not only makes us holy, but it makes us blessed. So this is where you find the church, where you find the word of God, baptism, the supper, the keys, the, pre the, uh, the, the, the ministry, the prayers, and the cross. Uh, Luther's going to say, and we'll wind it down here, he says, these are the, are the true seven chief parts of the high and holy possession whereby the Holy Ghost works in us a daily sanctification and vivification in Christ according to the first table of Moses and according to the second table. So that through these things the Lord is giving us a holiness to, tr to believe and trust in God when we're dying and a holiness that begins to love and to serve our neighbor. Absolutely stunning. And that these are the things which are the most precious uh, of all. Luther says, when the devil saw God building his holy Christian church, he didn't take a holiday. 
but he built his own chapel alongside it, greater than God's temple. And when he, and this is how he did it. He replaces God's word with man's word. He replaces baptism with a false thing. He replaces the, the forgiveness of sins with the demand to do more or whatever. The devil is always there providing an alternative. But the Lord has established his true church on earth, and it stands. And dear, and dear saints, we can find it because we know where to look. With the word of God, with his name and baptism, with his body and blood and the forgiveness of sins, with the absolution, with the preaching, with the prayer. We know where to find it, and when we find it, we're safe. It's like finding Noah's Ark. It's like finding the mighty fortress defended by God himself, this church, because the Lord's church is how he redeems us, how he rescues us, and how he keeps us safe in his word until the end of the world. So no longer do we have to say, where, where in the world can I go to find the church? Now we know where to look. These seven signs. And praise God that through these things, the Lord Jesus also finds us, redeems us, rescues us, calls us his own. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and this is Cross Defense. We're talking about on the councils in the church and the seven places we find the church today. From this great Luther's work, if you want to read, and, and really, look, listen to me talk about this is useless. You should read it yourself. You can find it at wolfmuller.co. Uh, we'll put a link up there, and you can download this guy for free or pick up a copy yourself. Uh, and read it and be comforted that the Lord has established the church, and he's done it all. He's done it all for you. I always look forward to this every Monday afternoon coming to you, and I hope you enjoy it, too. Let me know what you think. Uh, just, uh, dial into the other stuff we're doing at wolfmuller.co, and we'll catch you. We'll catch you next Monday here on Cross Defense. God's peace be with you. Listening to Cross Defense, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314 996 1518. Or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Cross Defense on Worldwide KFUO.